The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. ever thought about why people act the way they do? Why are some people more difficult to deal with, while others are always pleasant? Let's find out together. Welcome to Human Behavior. What a trip. Your host is Dr. Jonathan Brower. Our program combines expert guests with people just like you who have questions or comments. We'll have fun exploring human behavior. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Brower. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Jonathan Brower with my show, Human Behavior, What a Trip. And we have a wonderful guest today who will be on the trip with us. His name is Mr. Brad Dozer, and he's a uh, lawyer of various kinds, but one of the things he does is he helps people who need uh, legal help when they're um, infirmed and in uh, uh, situations and, and, and institutions where they need help, where they can't take care of themselves. And apparently, there's a high proportion of people who get less than good enough treatment. And uh, Mr. Dozier is one of those people that helps them. And uh, Brad, we're going to go by our first names. You'll be Brad. I'll be Jonathan. And uh, we'll continue. So what I like to do with my uh, guests is to have them, uh, for a few minutes, give our uh, listeners a uh, – uh, the trail they took, so to speak, from being a little boy or a little girl, in your, in your case, a little boy, and what were you, what, what you were interested in as a kid, and how you ended up becoming an attorney, and how you ended up becoming, among other things, uh, an attorney who helped people in the situations we'll be talking about today when they're infirmed and not getting good enough care. Thank you again for letting me participate with you and talk a little bit about um, what is uh, what is an increasingly serious uh, issue. Um, uh, particularly these days as our population ages and more and more people find themselves uh, needing to go into assisted living facilities and nursing homes yes. and, uh, and, and people are presented with having to uh, place their, their aging or their infirmed parents in those environments and, um, and that's, uh, that's uh, w- what we're going to be talking a good bit of today is the, the issues really that surround those very difficult decisions. And unfortunately, um, uh, what happens when, um, uh, when folks find themselves in situations where they are experiencing uh, neglect and abuse and the very serious complications that can arise from that. Yeah, it's a huge problem. It's just huge. And it's only going to be becoming more and more of a problem uh, as our population ages. You know, the demographic of the country is yes. uh, we get this. We got the large baby boomer group now that is aging, and there's going to be a, a large complement of people that are now going to be needing these services in the coming years. Yes, that's the case. So, um, uh, 
tell us a few a few minutes of your of your childhood and how you uh, took this uh, course of yours and ended up becoming an attorney to help people who were in, in, in assisted living facilities not getting enough help. Well, it's interesting. Our, our practice uh, involves. We have a general civil litigation practice here in Atlanta, Georgia, um, and I have uh, partners with whom I practice with, and uh, ours is a litigation boutique where essentially we represent individuals um, who have, whose lives have been uh, impacted by the carelessness or negligence of others in terms of when people are injured seriously or catastrophically or when they are uh, killed um, yes by the negligence and carelessness of others. And that, and that includes a number of different scenarios uh, involving defective products, yeah. um, uh, you know, uh, uh, unsafe premises, uh, and then what you and I are going to be talking about today, which is uh, nursing home abuse and neglect. Yes. So my, my route into this was, was a little bit circuitous in the sense that, um, um, you know, I, I, I guess my pathway into the law came because um, I was an athlete growing up, and I was always competitive. Uh-huh. And there is, cer- there is a certain aspect of competitiveness, of competitiveness to the law. Um, we before, uh, yeah, before you go on, what sure. uh, what, uh, what uh, sports were you an athlete in? Well, I sort of had the all-American experience of being uh, baseball, basketball, and football, uh-huh. and sort of the three major sports growing up, and yes. enjoyed that, and, and I enjoyed the competitive spirit of all of that, uh-huh. and uh, and I found that when um, when it was clear that I wasn't going to make in my into the professional ranks of any one of those sports, yes. um, I began looking and, and thinking about what other ways in which I could contribute and be productive, but also still be in an environment where uh, there was an aspect of, of competitiveness to it. Yes. And when you get into litigation, as, as I am, what you find is that it's actually a very competitive environment because of the way our system is set up. The, the legal system is an adversarial system. Yes, and um, and we represent clients, and of course, uh, our adversary, you know, our our clients' adversaries, quite frankly, are represented by very skilled and motivated lawyers on the other side, and the system is set up in such a way where um, uh, sometimes when parties can't resolve things um, privately, uh, they have to put the dispute in the hands of third parties, and that's where the competitive element of the law comes in, quite frankly. Yes. So as you were talking about this, I was picturing uh, two football teams, the defensive line and the offensive line, and they're both pushing at each other, <laughs> trying to get more real estate. So, well, it's interesting yeah. because what I have found in, in 20 years of practicing law is that uh, truth is a relative term and that everyone comes into every situation with their own sort of uh, prism, uh, their, their, you know, uh, their subjective belief as to certain facts and events. And, and it's very interesting how um, uh, people can view situations and circumstances very, very differently and have very different interpretations of the facts. Yes. It's quite fascinating, actually. Yes, and different agendas, totally different agendas. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. I'm always amazed that you could put 20 people in a room and have them watch the same event. And then if you interview those same 20 people, you can oftentimes get a very, very differing version of what they saw. It's kind of fascinating. That's more common than, than otherwise, actually. That people... Well, we, 
we see that a lot in our practice, how, um, how it's just amazing sometimes in the course of representing clients, some of the difficulty is just really kind of trying to get the parties to agree on what the actual facts of the case are. Yes. Much, yeah. less, much less the legal implications. Right. So uh, you're usually on the side of the uh, person who needs help. From- well, what was interesting is I started my career, you know, 20 years ago after graduating yeah. from law school. I actually started off as a defense lawyer, where uh-huh. I was where where I was representing uh, businesses, corporations, and whatnot, um, mm-hmm. and 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 doing exclusively defense work, primarily in the labor and employment arena, uh-huh. and I did that for approximately 10 years. And then I had somewhat of an epiphany, and I decided to make a change and, and really move to the other side of the law where um, I wanted to focus my uh, my efforts on representing individuals and, and families. And I found that just personally, um, making that change was, was much more satisfying and, and gratifying for me, both personally and professionally, because... Um, you really do have the opportunity when someone has been impacted, you know, whether it's an injury or a death or whatever the case may be. Yes. Um, you know, when families are affected, and you can you can shed some light on that situation and and, and turn that situation uh, around in some respects. Um, I, I get great satisfaction uh, doing that. Yes. So when you uh, switch from being a defense lawyer to representing. Uh, your clients, um, was it a very quick turnaround or did you gradually morph away from one into the other? Well, in the last couple of years that I, that I did exclusively defense work, it just became obvious to me that, I, that, uh, that, 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 that being on the other side, I think, was more, um, yeah. more to my personality and my, sort of my, my spirit. And, and when people ask me, um, why did you decide to make the change from representing uh, you know, businesses and corporations over to representing individuals. My pat response was, of course, to atone for my sins. Yes. And what but, kind of um, sins do you have in mind? Well, <laughs> I'm being slightly facetious there, but um, no, no, but but you're right. We all we all. I, um, I mean, just very quickly, I'll tell you that uh, my father had a had a sister who uh, died of. Uh, of appendicitis. My father became a surgeon, and what did he do? Among other things, he did a lot of appendectomies. Sure. So, uh, and my, my parents were screwed up in some ways. My mother was very uh, anxious. My father was low-grade depressed. And so what are my specialties? Anxiety and depression. So um, <laughs> we all have a ways of, of finding what part of our lives were, were impacted in a certain way. Well, what's interesting is we all go about our daily lives, and um, we don't really realize sometimes how fragile we are. And 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 yes. all of a sudden, forces will will act on you in ways that you can't imagine. Where whether it's someone running a red light because they're not paying attention and striking your vehicle, and or yeah. or um, you know you go to a you go to a facility to enjoy something, whether it's a restaurant or a movie, and literally a, a stairwell collapses or, you know, something like that happens to where, you know, uh, you know the course of a person's life can be changed very dramatically in just a matter yes, of yeah. seconds. Yeah, that's true. And it can happen multiple times in, in a person's life, not just once. 
And, and the impact of something like that is not just felt by the individual, but it has wide, you know, it has wide ripple effects throughout uh, the friends and family. I mean, we, we yes. deal with people all the time in our practice who, uh, you know, their, their injuries and their inability to, say, continue working and be productive, uh, that can yes. have uh, dramatic impacts on their, their family and their family's future. And right. that's quite frankly why it's so rewarding when we're able to help people whose lives have been dramatically changed um, because of somebody else's carelessness or negligence. Yes. So um, where do you want to begin regarding the actual kind of work you do day by day? You can give us vignettes or examples. Well, as I said, we, uh, we're fortunate in that um, uh, we, uh, we are well-known throughout, uh, you know, the, the state in which we practice, and uh, as a result of that, um, we, are, we are being constantly contacted by people who, um, uh, who need our services, uh, yes. whether it's being referred from a client that we've worked with before or, or other lawyers that we know or other means of marketing. Um, typically, people contact us, and, and then it's a matter of listening um, to the issue and really trying to determine how and where we can help people. And in, 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 in these cases involving nursing home and abuse, I mean, what we really find is that I'll give you some interesting information and statistics, which I think that perhaps you and your listeners will be, will be very surprised by. And I can just tell you in Georgia, for example. Um, That's the know, state you live in, and you live in Atlanta, right? Yes, our, our firm is in Atlanta, and we practice yeah. all over the state of Georgia and in the, and in the southern United States. I see. But... I will tell you that, for example, in Georgia, uh, I was reading a statistic somewhere recently where um, of, of 356 licensed nursing homes and assisted, facility, assisted living facilities, 143 of the 356 were determined as being below average in terms of their staffing, uh, the quality and quantity of their staffing, the health inspections of their facilities, things of that nature. And yes. A recent CNN report indicated that uh, approximately 90 percent of nursing home facilities are are understaffed or not staffed by uh, quality caregivers. That's terrible. Yes, and along those same lines, uh, uh, one of three nursing homes across the country have been cited for nursing home abuse or other related infractions, which have resulted in. Um, significant impacts for these residents who rely upon these caregivers. Yes. Uh, hold your thought. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back in a minute or a minute and a half, and we'll pick up right where you left off, okay? Okay. All right. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? 
Call Jonathan Brower, and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. You're listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. Back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. This is Jonathan Brower with my guest, Brad Dozier. And uh, Brad, before we go on, your uh, website is dozier slash zahler, Z-A-H-L-E-R dot com? Yes. uh, The name of our firm is Dozier Zahler. And again, we are a boutique litigation firm here in Atlanta. And our website uh, is dozier, D-O-Z-I-E-R dash... Zahler, Z-A-H-L-E-R, okay. dot com. All right. And if they want to get to you by phone, they can call 770-431-1100. That's correct. That's the main line to our firm, yes. Okay, we good. Have, and, we have, and we have several lawyers that uh, that are available and, and, and our uh, our our our, our, our our office hours are essentially twenty four seven. So wow. when people need when people need us, we're there. So you have a phone right next to your pillow, huh? Basically, much to my wife's dismay. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> well, hopefully, it doesn't happen too often. Then. So uh, we're talking about the ninety percent uh, understaffed facilities, and then uh, you want to continue your thought about that. Well, there was one sort of one alarming statistic that I, I don't think that people would really uh, appreciate. In one year, and I can't quote you with the year, but it was a recent year. Yeah. Across the country, there were five thousand death certificates for nursing home patients, which listed either dehydration, malnutrition, starvation, or bed sores as the cause of death. Five thousand death certificates. So basically, uh, what you're saying is, if those people had adequate water and adequate food and their bed sores were taken care of, they'd have a comfortable uh, life while they're still alive. Well, you know, again, that statistic indicated that not only was it a matter of making them more comfortable, but it was a matter of literally that the, the, the dehydration, malnutrition, starvation, or bed sores yeah. actually yeah. Was, a, was a contributing factor to their yes. death. Yes. And... Uh, all and the, the interventions to help those people, if there were enough people to do it, um, these people wouldn't die so quickly, or they they still have some sense of being alive and enjoying their ice cream or whatever it is. And so we, you know, I, I think people should die in a very dignified way when they can. Well, it's it's a real challenge because again, just to just to give you some statistics, um, you know. Uh, I don't think people necessarily adequately prepare themselves financially, um, and some, you know, yes. some you know, there, there are wide ranges of people's health. I mean, some people go into their seventies, eighties, and even nineties, 
and are in actually very good health, both physically and, and mentally. Yes. Others uh, have problems at a, at a much early age, a much earlier age, um, and you know I, I don't know that people really do, do appreciate the costs associated with nursing home care. Um, a year in a nursing home now costs an average of close to a hundred thousand dollars per what year or per yeah. what? Yes, annually. Okay. And and. Um, uh, and some nursing facilities, for example, those don't even cover all the fees. There may be additional fees for things like physical therapy or appointments yes. to a dentist or things of that nature. Yes. Um, you know, Medicare only pays for short stays following hospitalization. Yes. And, and Medicaid, which not every home accepts, really requires depleting most of a resident's assets. Yes. So... Unfortunately, um, you know, the, the financials of this really can dictate the quality of care, and, and we, we deal very often with, um, with clients who have put parents in assisted living facilities, and while they wanted to put them elsewhere, uh, they just didn't have the resources to, and so uh, they did the best they could for them financially, and, you know, come to find that, unfortunately, uh, that you know that strata of facility really wasn't providing adequate care, and it's and it's really heartbreaking because, um, you know, putting a, a parent in a nursing facility sometimes is a very uh, difficult thing to do, particularly if the parent doesn't want to go or doesn't feel that they um, that they require um, yes. that level of care. Yes. And, and so just getting you know, a, a, an aging or an infirmed parent into a nursing home, just that process itself can be very, very emotionally difficult for, um, for adults. Oh, yes. It, and then, a, a, an analogy to that is um, when people get very old and they're no longer able to drive their car, they're no longer safe to drive a car, that's a... A big problem for them. Their, their life changes dramatically that way, and the, and the way you're talking about it, it's similar. Oh sure, they, and yeah. and 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 people as they age, a lot of times they really don't want to um, give in to the notion that they need to be in an assisted living facility. I mean, all of us want to, we want to stay young forever, and we all believe that we're going to be self-sufficient. Um, uh, and want to be, and and sometimes it's very difficult for people to admit to themselves that it is no longer safe for them to be living at home where there may not be another spouse or someone to look over them on a daily basis. Yeah. So so in your work, um, at times are you dealing uh, quite a bit with the adult children of these aging parents? Yes, uh, particularly in cases where there are you know uh, claims of wrongful death. Uh-huh. Um, because at that point, essentially, you have the estate uh, representing the decedent, and, and it's a different type of action. Yes. Um, but oftentimes, yes, you are dealing with family members who are bringing the claim. And um, uh, as you can imagine, it, it's if you can imagine the difficulty of someone placing a, a parent into a home who really didn't believe that they should be there, and so they're they have sort of the sometimes the guilt associated with that, and then you compound that with uh, finding out that uh, uh, that a parent has been neglected or abused, 
and has had a significant uh, physical impact as a result. And that can be devastating, devastating yes. to people. And, and then I can imagine, um, let's say there's more than one adult child for the parent, and uh, the the adult children have different ideas of what should be done, so they're not always in con- in in the uh, in the same saddle, so to speak. <laughs> oh, sure. There can be a lot of dissension among the, yes. the adult children with respect to um, what type of care is needed, yes. uh, what what level of care is needed. You get into issues of geography. If you've got adult children that, that are spread out all over the country, the question becomes, yes. what's the best geographical place to have uh, an aging parent uh, so that um, there's proximity to some of the children? I mean, it's it's really a very complicated and can be a very complex decision for a family um, and, it, and it just it really does have wide-ranging uh, implications um, for the adult children yeah and also um, this is a question because I really don't know the answer so um, in these facilities where these elderly people are they can have uh, a very uh, acute um, uh, f- f- um, mem- memories and their 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 brain works fine, and then there can also be people in the same facility who might be Alzheimer's and don't know what's going on at all. Yes, you'll see a, you'll see a sort of a wide variety of yes. the residents in terms of uh, in terms of where they are medically. Yes, there will be some people who are 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 suffering from dementia. Yes. Others <laughs> others who actually are are just having issues in terms of um, some of their daily functioning. Yes. Um, and, and that can be a challenge for the facility because you do have sort of a wide range of resident in terms of what their medical conditions are. Yes. So at any one moment, there can't be enough people per person to help out. They have to sort of um, just keep going from one person to another person to help them out. Well, Well, that gets into several issues. I mean, number one, adequate staffing is critical to a safe and healthy environment. And and without enough nurses and aides, the care suffers. And I'll give you an example. I mean, you might have a resident who has shaky hands, who doesn't get the help she needs at meals. She can become malnourished. That's that's a good point, yes. And an infirmed resident who has to wait to get help with toileting can, for example, develop a urinary tract infection that could progress to a life-threatening blood infection or kidney failure. Yeah, these are these are huge issues. Oh, absolutely. And and you know, then of course you 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 get into issues um, with um, heavy turnover. Uh, that's an obvious indication of problems. I think the national average for turnover in 2010 was close to 40 percent for all positions within a nursing home. And the turnover would be how often, how frequently, like once a week or once a month? Or? Well, as I said, I mean, the, the, the national average a yeah. year or two ago indicated that literally 40% of all of the positions were turning over on an annual basis. I see. Okay, yes. And that, of course, creates issues because really what, what we are finding is that the quality of care um, has to do with consistency of the assignments because really caregivers – their relationship to patients is twofold. I mean, they're they're there to provide care, yes. but they're also there actually to have a relationship yes, with the important. patient. And and so what you have is when you have high turnover, what you have is a compromise in the relationship between the caregiver and the patient. And in a perfect situation, you'll have a lot of continuity 
Yeah. And you'll have someone receiving care from the same caregiver for an extended period of time. Yes. You know? Which is the way it should I be. think that the uh, the American Healthcare Association recommends that that individual staffers care for the same residents on at least eighty percent of their shifts. So they want to see that kind of consistency and continuity among yes. their staff members. Yeah. So that's just and, a hard thing that has to be dealt with somehow, but it doesn't get dealt with well and, enough and, apparently. And it sort of dovetails into um, there are a number essentially of warning signs that, that, that people can be mindful of that are suggestive of bad care. And I wanted to spend a couple of minutes talking about these because your, <laughs> listeners, might, your listeners might benefit from kind of getting an idea as to what they might look at if they're in a situation where they have a, a, an adult parent in a, in a nursing home or an assisted living facility, and there are certain things that, that you can look for. Yes, what are they? Well, um, first of all, if, if you see a parent that has had marked emotional or, or physical changes, for example, uh-huh. if you see someone becoming withdrawn or uncommunicative, uh-huh. um, that might be suggestive of, of some emotional abuse. Yes. Um, and again, if you see agitation or, or withdrawal or fear or physical changes like loss of weight or appetite or sudden changes in mood or sleep patterns, yes, these things can be indicative of um, of neglect or abuse. Yes, clearly, if you see things like unexplained bruises, pressure ulcers, skin yes. tears, things like that, yeah, those can be indicative of neglect or abuse. Uh, okay, before I get on to the other other. Um things besides neglect, we're going to take another quick break for commercial and we'll come back in about a minute. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Legal Shield, total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading Conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. Back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. This is Jonathan Brower with my guest, Brad Dozier, and we're talking about uh, different aspects of uh, of uh, abuse or neglect in regards to uh, elderly people who need help. So uh, you were talking about neglect, Brad, and then I don't know if you had more to say about that or you want to go to the next topic well, we were just discussing, you know, some of the telltale signs that people yeah. can look at, which might be indic- indicators that um, that their adult parents are not receiving proper care in these in these facilities. And we talked yes. about, you know, emotional or physical changes. And I wanted to just mention some of the others that people can be on the lookout for. Yeah, that'd be great. Tell us all what they are. Well, uh, oftentimes when you when you interact with staff and and you ask them direct questions and they either leave them unanswered or they, they deflect questions, that can often be a time or often be a sign of staff that isn't adequately trained. Yes. And you have to be you have to be mindful of that. Typically um, you know, the staff is there to answer questions and if you find that they're really not able to on a consistent basis, you have to question whether or not um, they're competent. Yes. And that's something that um, Sometimes people are reluctant to really engage the caregiver in terms of questions um, because they don't want to. They, they feel like they don't want to be nosy or whatever the case may be. But um, we would strongly suggest that you know if you have questions or if you have concerns, you talk to the caregivers and and hopefully they can address things uh, directly. Yes. Um, it's important if you're if you're visiting a parent in in these facilities, look around and see how the staff. Um, how the staff acts in terms of if you see frantic or sort of discordant staff, people running around looking yes. frayed, um, uh, that's an indication that they're not adequately staffed and that they're not giving adequate care. Yes. Um, th- there shouldn't be this sort of frantic, uh, frenetic environment at these facilities. And if you see that, uh, that can be an indication of... Uh, uh, lack of qualifications and 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 really lack of just sufficient staff members being on the property. Yes. So uh, as you're talking, I was just wondering. I would imagine um, that some of these people in these facilities have psychiatric problems. They, they could be severe or they could be mild. What do we do with those people? Well, obviously, if if they need special, typically a lot of these facilities are going to have. Um, psychiatrists and psychologists on the premises to, or at least coming to the premises on a regular basis. That's good. And, and, and it is important to address the medical needs, not only the physical needs, but also the psychological needs as well. Yes. Um, there is a sense of isolation and loneliness that many patients can feel, and that can lead to uh, depression and anxiety. Yes. And so um, there need to be adequate resources for a residents to to talk with someone who's trained in uh, psychology or psychiatry to help them deal with some of the issues that they may be having in terms of depression or loneliness, that type of thing. Yeah. 
It's particularly so, true. It's particularly true when when a resident has recently lost a uh, a family member or a spouse, and they're feeling you know strong uh, sense of loss. Yes. And what's interesting, and what what a lot of people don't realize, is that it, at the end of life, uh, quite often, um, and this is really a, sort of a little known fact, people uh, will often just they will stop eating. Yes. And it's almost, it's almost self-imposed malnutrition. You know, dogs do the same thing, and there's other mammals that do it also. When they're at the end of their life, they stop eating. Yes, and, and so that's something that people need to be mindful of as well. Another thing I would point to is in terms of um, ownership. Um, don't, overlook, don't overlook the leadership of the owners and the operators. Uh-huh. Um, are the managers and directors typically going to be on the site and available? Um, you know, I, I personally have never seen a place that's got strong, involved leadership that had bad resident care. And it's a real top-down thing. If you had yes. invested owners who are invested in being at the facility on a regular basis and really leading, that can be very critical in terms of the quality of care that's provided. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, yes. And I tell you, what we've, what we've seen... Uh, over the last several years is we've seen some very shameful examples of, of owners and operators who have um, who have taken significant amounts of money out of the facility really to fund a very lavish lifestyle for themselves oh, that's at, terrible. The, at the expense of these patients yes um, we've seen examples literally of 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 owners pulling millions of dollars out of their facilities to go buy things like, uh, you know, yachts and second and third yeah. homes and things like this. And it's, it's almost incredible when you come across that yes. because yeah. we see it more frequently than you would imagine. Um, it really is something uh, when you see someone funding a lavish lifestyle yes. at the expense of these vulnerable you know, members of our society. Well, when they do that, do they end up in prison, hopefully? Uh, they can face both civil and criminal charges. Absolutely, uh-huh. they can. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and it's it's um, again, it's. Uh, I think it sometimes is shocking to people to find that that is going on, but that is that is more common than you would think. Yes. Out there, and so that's something that we really look at um, when we are contacted uh, about what appears to be instances of abuse and neglect is we'll look at the leadership and the ownership and see uh, what their track record is and whether or not there's evidence that uh, they have been underfunding the facility um, uh, to to really fund their lifestyle. Yes. So uh, can you give us some vignettes of the kinds of cases you've uh, taken to court regarding your... um well, what we typically see is is when we're, when we're contacted, we see a lot of situations involving um, what appear to be uh, signs of abuse, and they and they can be again, as I said, uh, uh, there are there are there are a number of different ways that abuse that abuse can can manifest itself, and and neglect can manifest itself. Um, typically, what we see is we'll see evidence of dehydration, malnutrition. We'll see. Uh, we will see sores that have developed on a body um, that uh, clearly indicate that uh, that staffers have not been uh, providing proper pressure relief, the turning of patients, 
things of that nature. Sometimes we'll see a condition called osteomyelitis, which is a bacterial infection of the bone and bone marrow, in which the yes. inflammation can lead to a reduction of the blood supply to the bone. Yes. So we'll see it. We'll see evidence of infection. Um, you know, uh, and that can result from um, uh, bed linens not being changed. Literally, residents uh, uh, being impacted by physical contact with with, with fecal matter or um, urine where they haven't been uh, where they've soiled themselves and they haven't been attended to within a reasonable period of time. Uh-huh. So those are the type of things that we see that are indicative of uh, of, sub, of substandard care. Yes. So um, in, in some cases, when you have these legal uh, uh, issues and you're in court. Sometimes the uh, by the time the verdict has been rendered, uh, the person who died doesn't get any of the money. But I assume their children or somebody in their will gets it, right? Well, the the oftentimes the the recipient of, of proceeds is the estate of the decedent. Yes, uh-huh. and and you get into very interesting issues in cases like this involving the value of a life. Yes. And and it creates some interesting questions for people on juries as to how do you evaluate uh, and how do you value uh, the loss of a life at an advanced age? Or so, how, yeah, that's, a great, that's a great question. What's what's the answer? Well, it, 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 there's some subjectivity to it. I mean, yeah. it, it implicates questions of loss of life, number one, but then you get into issues of pain and suffering and how do you value... Um, uh, and compensate someone who has uh, suffered yeah. greatly yes. and or lost their life because of uh, neglect. Yes. And these are very, very interesting and challenging questions for, uh, for juries. Um, and we, those valuation issues are, are always a part of a case where um, where there is evidence of abuse and neglect, and there has been you know death or serious uh, consequence. What we as lawyers do is we try to put some perspective uh, into the matter, uh, and uh, you know people. It's really interesting. Uh, I, I tell I remind juries all the time because sometimes people really don't understand um, how to value pain, and, and I will tell people that. You know, people will literally end their lives. People will kill themselves to rid themselves of pain. Yes. And so um, it, it, these are interesting issues, and quite frankly, juries sometimes will wrestle with them in, in terms of how to compensate someone uh, for these type, of, uh, uh, these type of injuries. Yes. Okay, we're going to take our last commercial break. We'll be back in about a minute. So everybody hang on. We'll be coming back to you in about 60 seconds or so. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and 
jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. Back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. This is Jonathan Brower with my guest, Brad Dozier. And um, uh, during the commercial break, I asked him a question. I'll ask him again so you all can hear. And that is, Brad, uh, you have a six-year-old daughter. And as far as you know, what does she think of what you do for a living? What does she understand about it? Well, we've had a couple of discussions about it. And, and uh, she's actually an inquisitive little girl. Um what I, I basically, when when she sort of asks what I do, yeah. um, I try to explain to her that really what my job entails is trying to help people who need our help. Yes. Um, and she understands that general concept. Um, and sometimes we will explain that sometimes we have to go, and if we can't resolve matters for things, we have to go to a courtroom, and we have to, we have to. We have to put a case in front of a jury, and the jury will make a decision as to what the outcome is going to be. And so she generally understands that that proposition. Um, But, you know, her her main concern in life is when is the next uh, uh, double chocolate ice cream coming (laughs) her way? I see. All about perspective. Yeah. So um, are her grandparents still alive? Yes, all four of them. And are they – how old are they roughly? Uh, Mid-70s. I see. So um, does she ever hear them talking about how it is for them aging? You know, it's interesting. We, we're very fortunate. Both uh, both my parents and my wife's parents yeah. are, in, are in extremely good health. Good. Um, we actually live just down the street from uh, my wife's parents. And, oh, that's uh, wonderful. And they are about as spry as they can be. Um, and, it's, and I'll share something with you. This is interesting. I, I will tell you that I, on this subject, about, gosh, about a year ago, yeah. I, ran in, I, I, I came in contact with a woman in a store. And she looked like she might be maybe 70 years old. Uh-huh. And we got to talking. And she said something about her 68-year-old daughter. Yes. And I, and I, was, I was taken aback. And I yes. asked her, I said, well, ma'am, excuse me, if you don't mind me asking... How old are you? And, and she say? said, I'm, you know, like 90 or 91. Yes. 
and I could not believe my eyes. She didn't look a day yeah. over 70. Did you ask her, uh, how do you attribute to your uh, good health at age 91? I did. And her answer stuck with me. Yes, what was it? She, she said, uh, there's no question that, that, the, that my condition today is directly attributable to the fact that I worked until I was uh-huh. 79 years old. She was a, uh, she was a comptroller and a financial officer uh-huh. for a company. And she said, Brad, she said, um, I will tell you that almost all of my friends who retired early, yes. they deteriorated very, very quickly uh, into their retirements, yes. physically and mentally. And yes. she said, literally, working until 79 is why I'm in the shape that I'm in today, both physically and mentally. Yeah. Did she mention uh, what kinds of foods and drinks she did or didn't use? We didn't really get into that issue. Yeah. It's just she really focused on the fact that staying uh, that staying engaged and working and doing something that she enjoyed. Yes. With and among people that she enjoyed, she said that was that contributed to her, uh, you know, to her good health more so than anything else that she did. And I, I really took that to heart. But apparently, even when she retired from working at age 79, she stayed active in some ways and had a connection with people, I, I assume. She must have. You must have. Yeah. But I, I, was, I will always remember this woman because I, I literally could not believe when she, yeah. when she told me what her age was. Yes, there's some very stunningly beautiful and handsome uh, women and men who are way older than you would imagine. But, but they're and, the minority. And, and some of that's natural and some of it may be otherwise, yeah. but... <laughs> yes, yeah. So, um, what kind of work does your wife do? Is she an attorney also? She's in the healthcare field. She is a healthcare executive, uh, and um, she works with a national um, hospital company that owns and operates hospitals across the country. And um, she spends a lot of her time negotiating uh, contracts between doctors and hospitals and insurance companies. So it's a very I challenging see. and it's a very challenging environment. All of this sort of dovetails together. Yes, it does. There, there are so many there are so many interesting issues that are going to be coming up in the next decade, having to do with how we're funding health care, um, how we're going to how we're going to provide health care, and who's going to pay. Um, particularly as our population ages, um, all of this is going to be very very interesting and. How these issues get resolved um, are going to be um, interesting to watch and track. Yes, my fantasy and hope and wishes that uh, there are entrepreneurs who can uh, uh, have these healthcare facilities, make a profit, everybody gets treated really well, and everybody's happy. Yeah, the healthcare system is a is a really interesting um, dynamic. Uh, you know, I've I've heard it stressed that you know here we are one of the most successful nations in the country, and yet we're one of the you know 20 industrialized nations that don't provide healthcare to all of our citizens. And there are a lot of interesting facets to that conversation. Yes. So the issue is really: is it going to be the the uh, government that does this, or in individuals who do it? I hope it's individuals. <laughs> Well, again, there are there are a lot of different ways to skin this cat. Yes. Um, but um, uh, you know, it's there are just so many different layers to the conversation, um, and so many moving parts to it. That it'll be interesting to see whether or not it's, we're, we're even capable of making major overhauls to the healthcare system and how we deliver healthcare in the country. Yes.
Well, we shall course, find out. We, we, we will certainly be here when, uh, when, uh, when the healthcare system fails, uh, people and, and they are, they are impacted by that. Yeah. So at this point in your life, uh, there's, I assume you're going to be doing this kind of work for another 10 or 20 years. Oh, at a minimum, absolutely. Yeah. So you're uh, like the, the old lady, you want to keep doing what you love doing. Well, uh, you know, my, my job involves helping people and meeting some really wonderful people, and um, I, I get great satisfaction out of yeah. um, doing whatever I can do to help people who have uh, who, who the trajectory of their lives have, has been really altered uh, by other folks. Yes. So some of these people who uh, are old and infirmed, uh, when they die, do you stay in touch with any of their adult children? Of course, yes, we do, absolutely. And are some of them actually friends of yours? Well, we become very involved with our clients. That's the nature yeah. of what we do when you represent individuals and families. Yes. Um, you, you, we, I maintain relationships with clients that I represented, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. As you're talking about this, I'm getting slightly teary. I mean, that's beautiful that uh, you and these adult children of the patients you had, um, that you help them and they're happy to have the help and they love you for it. It just sounds like a really nice overall picture. Well, the relationship that we have with our clients, again, these are, these are situations that are, that are very near and dear to their, to their hearts and, um, you become very, very close with a lot of the people that you represent and, um, uh, it's, that's one of the gratifying aspects of the type of work that we do. Yes. So, uh, I'm not, Trying to get rid of you. If you want to stay another two minutes, you can. But it, it's about two fifty-five, and you let me know earlier today that you had an appointment to go to. So if you want to go now, feel welcome. If you want to stay for the next two minutes or what, you're welcome either way. Well, Jonathan, I tell you, I, I, I appreciate your time and, and um, have enjoyed uh, have enjoyed uh, talking with you over the course of this hour. And uh, I just want to thank you again for letting me participate and, and being uh, being part of your program. My pleasure, and I'll call you in the near future after the show's over. And again, the name of our law firm is Dozier Zoller. Um, we can be reached at 770-431-1100. And again, our practice involves helping people who have been injured or, or have, uh, have family members who have been killed through the carelessness and negligence of others. And yes. um, if, if those services are needed, we're here to help. Well, you do a very good service for people, and I'm glad you're one of them, one of the people who can do that. Well, thank you, Jonathan. Okay, take care. Okay. So long. Okay, everybody, at this point, it's me talking to people who are listening. So uh, we have a couple of minutes left, I believe. I'm not sure exactly how much time we have, but my uh, my guy, <laughs> the uh, I'm out of time. Okay, I'm going to say goodbye, everybody. I had a wonderful time with my guest. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I'll be back with you next week. And uh, all of you have a good week and enjoy your uh, your own human behavior and have a nice trip with it. And I'll talk to you later. So long for now. Thank you again for listening today. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Human Behavior, What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have fun experiencing your human behavior. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.